Good evening, good evening, good evening. Praise the Lord, glory to God. Thank you, Father. Today is the day that the Lord has made. We rejoice and we are glad in it. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to get another word from the Lord. Well, good evening, everybody, and God bless you, Pastor Stan here in the house. <laughs> I want to welcome you to our Wednesday night live edition of Faith Family Church. Uh, just in case you're visiting with us, my name is Stanley Scott. I'm the senior pastor of Faith Family Church. My privilege to share the word of God with you tonight once again. Uh, we always invite those of you that are visiting online to come into our in-person service and check us out. We'd love to love on you as, as well as to worship the Lord with you. Uh, we meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. at Burks Elementary, which is located at Queenston Boulevard in and West Road. And so uh, we'd be gl glad to have you and we welcome you tonight. Hello to my faith family, everybody. Uh, all of our Wednesday night livers, uh, those of you that highly, highly value the blessing of the Lord, uh, where just one word a week is not enough. You, you, Not only are you on and in on Sunday mornings, here we are again on Wednesday night. And, uh, I, and you know, to be honest with you, I think I put just as much work, prayer and effort into preparing for Wednesday night as we do for Sunday. Uh, obviously, we don't have all of the praise and worship and, and the things that we normally do. We just dive right into the Word of God on Wednesday Night Live. Uh, when we move into our new facility, we'll be able to do this in person. We'll be able to have all the bells and the whistles, the praise and the worship. Glory to God. So stay tuned. That day is soon approaching where we will have our own facility. We broke ground. Uh, we, we had a groundbreaking ceremony on December the 13th when we cast seed into the ground and we've been planting ever since. Uh, we are in a season of sowing and growing here at Faith Family Church. And uh, we invite you to participate with us. Get involved in sowing seed as we are believing God for a harvest in our own building lands furnishings, equipment, facilities, vehicles, everything that we need to do what it is that God's called us to do as a church family in preaching the gospel to the lost and feeding the flock of God in the kingdom. Amen. So glad to have you all with us. And uh, please let us know that you are watching. So if you are able to, whether it be on YouTube or Facebook, oh, you know, we could start a a watch party. <laughs> I guess that's what they call it on Facebook. But when you share that you are uh, watching uh, or when you share this broadcast, other people in your newsfeed that, you know, maybe happen to be online at the same time, they'll see it. It'll pop up in their newsfeed and they may hear a word that will totally revolutionize their life. And you would have been participant in making a eternal mark in their life that can't be erased. Good to see uh, Deborah Clark on tonight. Uh, Sister Janice, amen. 
Oh, praise God. Glad to have you and uh, Sister Michelle, one of our assistant pastors. Always, always so good to see you all. Um, Sister Michelle Spencer, she said last week that the Spencers value the blessing. I like that. And so I consider all of you all as individuals who highly value the blessing. Oh man, everybody's popping on right now. So Brother John Galbraith, we shared his victory story. Uh, and then he had another victory story on top of that one. Karen Sanders, she's on. It was good to see her in person and her family. Amen. Continuing to believe God for manifestations in her life and in her children's and children's lives. Sister Nancy Dunn, you blessed me so much. You know, I got a, uh, it wasn't a text message, but it was just an encouragement um, uh, of, how, uh, of the word, you know, that we've been preaching and teaching. It's really been making an impact on people's lives. So good to see you, Sister Nancy Dunn on. Uh, uh, Brother Chuck Adams is on as well. Hello to you and your beautiful bride, uh, Sister Tina Adams. Glad to have our faith family. Please let us know that you're watching. Now listen, this message tonight is so powerful. Um, it almost moves me to tears right now to think about the potential freedom that can come through a message of this nature. And I encourage you, if you're on right now, stay tuned. God will minister to every single one of us through his word. And I believe our lives are going to be blessed because of it. Our brother Jamie Smith is on. I do want to, since brother Jamie Smith popped on, um, uh, he's one of our, our, our worship leaders. Uh, young man that's been with us, I think almost it's going on two years. I think he came in 2019, 2020 and, um, 2020 anyway, brother, brother Jamie just visited his mom uh, and, and his dad and, uh, his mom and his dad. And, uh, he shared that his mom, uh, Eva Smith received the diagnosis from her doctor, of breast cancer she's a believer and she believes that her healing is already done so don't get nervous <laughs> and it's it's early stage and she's uh, praying and getting direction from God about what to do and what you know what step to take but he asked us to join our faith with him for the manifestation of her healing and so, Brother Jamie, we want you to know um, our prayer team, uh, we are equipped to carry this matter before the Lord, and um, we will be endeavoring to do so. And we will be thanking God both on this side and on that side of the victory. So know that uh, our prayers are with you. Are you all ready for the word of God tonight? Come on, I can't hear you. <laughs> Are you ready for the word of God tonight? This is going to be a very, very powerful word from the Lord, one that I believe will mark your life and bless your life eternally. Again, please share this on your page, whether it be now on your Facebook or your YouTube to Facebook. Uh, let other people know so that they can get a hold of this. 
I believe it'll bless their life. All right. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word, oh God, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We ask that you shine the light of your word to us today by the Holy Spirit. We pray that revelation knowledge will flow freely and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force, that our eyes will see, our ears will hear, and that our hearts are open and receptive to your word for us in the name of Jesus. Have your way in our hearts tonight as we talk about unforgiveness. We pray, Father, that this message find its way to those that need it the most, whose blessing is being blocked because of unforgiveness. We take authority over every demonic force working against the life of any believer who is being held back because they won't let go. We declare that they are loosed in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, listen, uh, roll up your sleeves, get an ink pen, uh, take notes. Anytime I call out a reference, uh, just one person, if you would put that reference in the comments so others can benefit from it. In Ephesians chapter one, in the New Living Translation of the Bible, it says, all praise be to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly, in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Then in Malachi chapter three and verse 10, the Bible says to bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and, pro uh, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Well, what a powerful series this has been. And uh, I am already looking forward to the rest of it as well. Uh, please, let's not rush through this series. I mean, naturally, it's long enough because there are a number of blessing blockers um, that will prevent you from walking into the full manifestation of God's plan for your life and his blessing. Last week, we looked at offense as a blessing blocker. And as I said, as we were closing up, I felt the leading of the Holy Spirit to talk about tonight unforgiveness. Uh, sometimes I don't know, you know, which one we'll talk about next. As I was concluding my notes today, I, I, I felt like I had a bit of a leading for where to go next week. Um, but that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. The title of the message is Unforgiveness. And this is Blessing Blockers, excuse me, Blessing Blockers uh, number six. 
because actually one way to overcome an offense is to forgive because of the nature of the offense. When someone does something to you that you weren't expecting, um, uh, forgiveness is one of the ways to overcome an offense. So the two of these go together. Now, let me give you a list of where what we've identified as blessing blockers. I'm sure this could be added to, and you might want to add to it in, in your own study over time. But what I've seen in my heart by direction of the Lord as blessing blockers, things, even though we are already blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, we live in earthly places. So um, we, we need the windows of heaven. As I said in Malachi, to be open, to be poured out on our lives uh, and the flow of the blessing. Um, but there are several things that can hold it up. Number one, disobedience can block the blessing. Number two, which is a really close number one, is dishonor. Oh, my gosh. You know, were you there on Sunday morning? Wow. Um, it, we talked a bit about honor. Uh, we're in a series on Sundays about not tithing, uh, but also you can dishonor God by not esteeming the word. Number three, the third blessing blocker is offense, offense. Number four, which is tonight is unforgiveness. Uh, I believe the next time we'll, we'll be on not serving will block your blessing. Yielding to temptation will also block your blessing. Not keeping Sabbath will block your blessing. Wrong motives will block your blessing. Unity will block your blessing or disunity. Then also unrighteousness. And then pride, which includes selfishness. And then the last one would be ignorance. I struggled a bit with several of the of these blessing blockers because not all of them have a direct scripture uh, tied to it. And unforgiveness was, I thought, one of those. And I so thought that there wasn't a specific scripture, even though, you know, when I got unforgiveness in my heart as a blessing blocker, there wasn't a specific scripture that that tied it to the blessing per se. But sure enough, there is scripture. What's equally powerful is what the Holy Spirit revealed to me uh, on yesterday regarding unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a blessing blocker because it is a derivative of disobedience. And I saw that so clearly. You know, why is unforgiveness a blessing blocker? There's, uh, I thought there wasn't a specific scripture that tied it to the blessing, but it was clear in my heart that unforgiveness will block the flow of blessing in your life. And the Holy Spirit prompted me that the reason why unforgiveness is a blessing blocker is because it's a derivative of disobedience. It's a kind of disobedience. When you and I don't forgive, we're being disobedient. And uh, obviously, there's a number of these that, that fall into that category under disobedience. Anytime God tells you to do something 
and you don't do it, your blessing will be blocked. You say, well, why is that, Pastor Stan? Well, the, the, the very nature of the blessing, the gospel includes, or the gospel is, if you obey me, I will bless you. Well, immediately disobedience. If you don't do what I tell you to do, you won't walk in the manifestation of these promises. Actually, it could be considered the disobedience, of course, is a, is a bless, blessing blocker. And it could be considered the number one blessing blocker along with dishonor. The reason why unforgiveness is a derivative of disobedience and a blessing blocker is what we're going to be looking at tonight. Amen. Somebody say amen. All right. Let me give you, <laughs> this is so supernatural, right? So I, I was, I started taking my notes. I was writing my introduction and I was writing that there's no scripture that ties forgiveness directly to blessing. For example, you know, uh, you know, uh, we, we've given you some specific ones. The one we looked at last week, blessed is he that is not offended in me. Well, offense automatically blocks the blessing because if you're offended, then you, you, you're not going to be blessed. And if you're not offended, then you, you are blessed because Jesus said, blessed is he that is not offended in me. Well, I thought there was no scripture, but turn to Psalm 32 and look at stanza one and two. <laughs> a Psalm of David, a contemplation. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Stanza two says, blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So how did I find this passage of scripture? Well, I had a little unction in my heart before I made the statement that there's no direct scripture that ties forgiveness to blessing. I had a little unction to actually put it in my Bible study. Uh, I, I use blueletterbible.org. You know, it's just a Bible software program online. It's free of charge. And you can use a keyword search. And so I put the word blessed and forgive. Nothing came up. I put the word blessing and forgive. Nothing came up. I put the word blessed and forgiven. And these two passages of scripture came up. And they are supernaturally tied to tonight's message. To me, uh, the fact that we're talking about Psalm 32 and Romans chapter four is proof positive of the Holy Spirit helping you and I in this series. So the Bible says, or David says, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. What's interesting is this passage is, is so important that it's actually quoted in the New Testament. So let's look at that. In Romans chapter four, verse six through nine, verse six says, just as David also describes the blessedness, the blessedness of the man to whom 
imputes righteousness apart from works. Quote, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin, end quote. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. So now I don't, I don't mean to lose you in any way. So look at me and pay attention. What's interesting is Paul, in preaching a message to the people at Rome, uses Psalm 32 as a text. I'm preaching to you tonight and I'm using Psalm 32, stanza one and two, as a text. What's also interesting is anytime we see the word bless or blessing in the Bible, you and I get extremely excited about it. <laughs> so in Romans chapter four, verse six, he's talking about David describing the blessedness of an individual. And he goes on to talk about this individual. He in verse, six, uh, verse nine says, does this blessedness then come upon? So I don't know about you, since I highly value the blessing, I pay particular attention when I see this word. You could say blessedness or blessedness. I don't know about you. I want people to be able to talk about my blessedness. Amen. So he quotes, blessed are those whose lawless deeds, and as the Psalm 32 says, whose transgressions are forgiven. So my assignment tonight uh, is to use these passages of scripture to show you from the word of God that unforgiveness is a blessing blocker. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Mark chapter 11 and give me a moment to plug up my computer here. Uh, we were reading Mark chapter 11. I believe on Monday in our chapter reading, uh, because of what we studied last week, and everybody at Faith Family Church reads their Bible, a chapter in the morning and a chapter in the evening, praise God. And I encourage you to do it. It'll, it'll absolutely bless your life, right? <laughs> because it's obedience. But in Mark chapter 11, in verse number 25 and 26, I want you to notice this. We read chapter 11. Monday. He says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. That your father in heaven, glory, may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, verse 26, Neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now, I'm going to make this personal tonight. And I'm going to make this plain. We're talking about you. We're not talking about somebody you know. We're talking about you. If you're on this broadcast and, and, and you believe that God is your father in heaven, then Jesus is talking to you and I. He's not talking to the Pharisees. He's not just talking to the disciples. He's talking about anybody who belongs to God the Father. 
And he says, if any of us stand praying, and if we have if we have anything against somebody else, he commands us to forgive him. Somebody type that in the comments, forgive him. So we're talking about forget forgiveness tonight. And unforgiveness is a blessing blocker. It will slow down or shut down the flow of those spiritual blessings into your earthly places. So my question to you tonight is, do you have anything against anybody? And if you do, you got a direct command from your Lord and my, my Lord, and that is to forgive that person, to forgive them. And he says, you do that, that so that your father in heaven may also forgive you. Now, remember what David said. David said, blessed is the man whose transgressions have been forgiven. Ah, glory to God. So it seems as though if I don't, if I've got something against somebody else and I don't forgive them, then, then, then now I have an issue with the father where he is not forgiving me and blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. And so if I haven't forgiven them, then he can't forgive me and I then am not forgiving. Come on, somebody. We need to talk about this tonight. What I really, really like is verse number 26. He says, but if you do not forgive, is there anybody in your life that you haven't forgiven? Who you struggle, it's a struggle for you to forgive. Maybe they did something so bad, so dark, um, it was so wrong, and you just haven't been able to forgive them. The Bible says, if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive you your trespassing. Now, I got to encourage you because I don't want you to turn this broadcast off. I don't I don't want you to stop listening um, because there's help here tonight. There's help for you tonight. And this is for your benefit. And I know this is a very a heavy heart matter, but it's one that you want to walk in freedom from. I heard uh Sister Taffy Dollar preaching this morning, Wednesday morning, at uh, at at their church at their early Wednesday morning uh, broadcast. I didn't get. I, I sat down to actually go through it and to take notes, but she was actually preaching on uh, making room by letting go, and she was talking about forgiveness. and And I just I I didn't have the time or take the time to get through the message, but. I, I think it not strange that the Spirit of God is talking to us in the body of Christ today about this subject. What I want you to make a note of is that from Mark chapter 11, verse 25 and verse 26, forgive him is a command. What's interesting is that it seems our forgiveness is somehow contingent upon our ability to forgive. With that in mind, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, 21 through verse 22. 
Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So here in Matthew chapter 18, we're picking up in the midst of a conversation. Peter came to him and said, now, Lord, I got a question. How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Obviously, Jesus was a preacher and teacher of forgiveness. He, he preached forgiveness. He lived it. He taught people to forgive people. And that's what I want to teach you to do. I want to teach you how to forgive people that have done something that's really, as the world would say, unforgivable. I don't know if you've ever had something done to you that could fall in a so-called category as unforgivable. There's help tonight. He said, how often shall my brother? I want to emphasize the, the, the expression, my brother. Uh, Peter had a brother. Actually, one of his brothers was a disciple of Jesus. Actually, he came to Jesus because of one of his brothers. I've got family. I would imagine that you, uh, uh, you know, maybe you were born where you had siblings, brothers, sisters, mother, father. I, I, I want to I want to expand that he's not literally just talking about his brother and not his sister, his brother and not a, a parent or a child. What, what I submit to you is Peter's asking, oh, this is good. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. How often shall somebody who's close to me do something to me? And I forgive them. That's a great question. Because in life, we have relationships. Uh, I can't tell you the number of movies, and I like it when it happens, but I can't tell you the number of movies or TV shows where somebody will make the statement that life was not meant to be lived alone. And if you're listening to me right now and you have isolated yourself in life to live alone I'm here to tell you, that's not the plan, nor the will of God. He wants to set you, ah, thank you, Holy Ghost, in families. He wants you, glory to God, in his family. That would make you and I brothers. Uh, we, we would be siblings together uh, under our heavenly father. And from the perspective of God as it is with any parent, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together and there be unity. But Peter has a question, and I have a question to you. How often can somebody who's really, really close to you do something to you and you forgive them? Is there a limit to your love? I want to speak to married people right now struggling to be married, those who are enjoying marriage. I, I want to talk to marriages and for those of you that are preparing for future marriage. How often can someone who is a spouse to you cross a line with you and you forgive them? Um, 
if my wife can hear this, I need her to come and get my phone. Uh, there's an urgent call here. Um, so now notice um, how often can somebody close? So he has it. He said up to seven times. Now, when you think about a spouse, I mean, you, 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 hopefully you sleep in the same bed with your spouse. You wake up with your spouse. You know, you all share the same bathroom or at least maybe you share the same closet or maybe you don't. Uh, you say you, you share so much in life, you know, you share a meal together. You maybe you ride to work together. Maybe you don't. Maybe he goes that way and, and you go that way. And, and then even after that, uh, the day comes where you at the end of the day, you um, you at the end of the day, you come back together. You spend the rest of the night together. You get in the bed together and it starts all over again. What am I saying? In a day when you have people that are around you, whether it be a spouse or a child or a parent, maybe you're caretaking for a mom or a dad. There's many opportunities, even in a single day, for somebody to sin against you. Say something they shouldn't say. Do something they shouldn't do. Look a certain way that they shouldn't look. Go to a place that they shouldn't go. There's many, many opportunities. He said, should it happen up to seven times? And Jesus says something to him. I want you to never forget. Verse 22, Matthew 18, 22. He says, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. That's 490 if you do the math. Like, are you kidding me, Jesus? You're telling me that if someone close to me, we're not talking about a stranger, right? Somebody cut me off in traffic or somebody cuss me at the store or give me the finger, right? No, we're talking about somebody who is close to me. I mean, you know, I could dismiss disregard, uh, not consider somebody that I don't care for nor like. But you're talking about somebody that's close to me who, who keeps doing things against me and I'm supposed to forgive them not only seven times, but 70 times seven. Are you serious? Yes, he is. Somebody put this in the comments. Forgiveness is a command and not an option. So immediately I sense that this is a very significant reason why so many in the body of Christ have blessings that are blocked. Uh, unforgiveness is clogging up the pipe. Hmm. Forgiveness is a command. It's not an option. It's, it's not if you can forgive them. No, it's a command. Forgive them. Woo, glory. Thank you, Holy Ghost. All right. Now, um, now, 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 in, in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 18, it says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I think some in the, in the church, the body of Christ, I'm not talking about faith family. I think some people in the body of Christ, because of Romans 12 and 18, that if it's, if it's possible, as much as depends on us, live peaceably. That means if I've tried, if I just can't get along with this person, then it's okay for me to part ways and keep no company with them. 
That's not what that verse was intended for. Neither is it in the context. Some people in Christ take that to mean forgiveness is optional. Think about it. In Mark chapter 11, he said, if you have something against somebody and you're praying, forgive him so that your father in heaven can forgive you. He says in Matthew 18 and 21, you know, how often shall somebody close to me do something to me and I forgive them? He says way beyond a number that you should count. You have a command to forgive. That's why disobedience to the command to forgive will block the blessing. Come on, church. Y'all let me preach tonight. But how did the conversation in Matthew chapter 18? Come on, let's look at some context. How did the Matthew 18 even come to be? How did it bring Peter to even asking the question in verse 21? Well, let's go all the way back to verse 15 through 17. Jesus is preaching and teaching. And in verse 15, he says, moreover, if your brother sins against you and go to and and you go Sins against, let me start over. In Matthew 18, verse 15 through 17, it says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Now, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Why do I say that? Because Jesus came preaching and teaching the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is good news. What's the good news? The good news of the gospel, the gospel is, if you obey God, he will bless you. And say good things over your life, that will enable you to prosper and succeed if you obey God. So this is the gospel. And he is commanding you and I to do something as it relates to relationships. Now, let's back up and look at this with extreme detail. What is he commanding us? He says, if any of us are in a situation where our brother now let me explain brother again brother is a physical family member or a spiritual family member people of your same skin tone are not your brother if they do not believe the gospel okay if they were born of the same mother, father, if they are extended family, they are of blood relationship. If not, if they're not saved and not related to you, 
They are the heathen. They are of this world. You have no command where they are concerned. But if someone, and please hear me, because some of us are dealing with some past situations that have happened with flesh and blood family members. Some have not talked to them and will not talk to them under any circumstance because of things that have happened. This passage of scripture applies to you just as much as it applies to a spiritual family member. So now listen, he says, if someone close to you sins against you, what should you do? Jesus says, go and tell him his fault. You ever say my fault, man? Or the way we like to use it is my bad, <laughs> right? Well, if somebody close to you does something to you and crosses the line, they sin against you, you're supposed to tell them straight up, you know, that's wrong. That's a fault. I didn't like how you did that. And he said, do it privately. Um, bothers me when I'm out in public and I see a husband and a wife in the discussion or you know, a man and a woman, and um, they're going off on each other. You know, that's uh, that, that that's not how that should be done. Uh, and neither you should you in handling the matter with your spouse. It shouldn't be in front of the kids. If somebody close to you does something, then there needs to be some privacy in that situation. He says, if he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he won't hear you, if he rejects what you're calling him out on, then take with you one or two more. Um, uh, when I was growing up, uh, one of my pastors would say, there's always three sides to every story. There's his side, her side, and then there's the truth, <laughs> which is God's side. Uh, Obviously, he says, take with you one or two more. What, what's going on? He says that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Now, a lot of times, especially in relationships, if you don't hear me, I'm done with you. Now, the reality is, well, we're not doing what the word says to do. Why? Because he said, no, let's work this out. Get somebody and, and let's sit down and let's talk through this. That by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. He says, but if he refuses to them, now watch this. This is a third level. Do, I, what I hope that you will see is that God requires effort of us where reconciliation is concerned. Reconciliation is a big word that simply means to restore to fellowship after estrangement. Individuals were who were in relationship that had something happen or something didn't happen that should have happened and now they are estranged from one another. And reconciliation 
is when you restore them to fellowship after estrangement. I believe with all my heart, this is a command from the Lord to make the effort. Now, is it always successful? No, and Jesus even addresses it. He says at the third level, if you go to the individual and you tell them, man, you know, you're wrong about this. And they're like, man, I'm not hearing that. And, and then you, 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 you make the effort. Well, look, man, you know, come on, let's all talk about it. No, I, I'm, I'm not hearing that. He says, go one more. He says, tell it to the church. Now, this, let me tell you what this does not mean. This does not mean go stand at the altar and, you know, air out people's dirty laundry, you know. Uh, Lord forbid churches that are like that, but thank God that we're not one of those kind of churches. Praise God. But when he says, tell it to the church, he's talking about those who are in spiritual authority. The church is the authority in the earth today. He says, tell it to someone in spiritual authority. Let them get involved. Let them sit before. Think about what Moses' ministry as, as, uh, as leading the children of Israel was. He was to sit to judge between matters between people. If one person had a matter and another person had a matter, he would hear that matter and then give a declaration, which we have all the judges and, and things of that nature. Where am I going with this? He says, tell it to the church. He says, but if, somebody say, but if. Come on, don't disconnect. Stay with me, church. But if... He refuses even to hear the church. He said, then let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Now, for a Christian believer, a heathen is someone that don't have anything to do with God. A tax collector for them was the enemy. So why is it that we in the body or in the family treat one another as heathen and tax collectors and we've not done what the Lord said do. At that point of disobedience, because of unforgiveness, there is the block of a blessing. A problem particularly in the body of Christ is right here in Matthew chapter 18. We treat some people we are supposed to be in relationship with as if they're enemy strangers. And we haven't followed protocol. We end up having our blessings blocked because of disobedience, not doing what Jesus said to do. It was after this in Matthew 18, 15 and 17 that Peter came back and said in verse 21, let me get this straight, Jesus. How often shall somebody close to me do something, say something, go somewhere in a conversation or, uh, you know, take something from me? How often shall somebody close to me sin against me and I forgive them? And that's when he said uh, until 70 times seven. Immediately after Jesus said until 70 times seven, uh, I don't know if I have any internet crowd tonight. I, 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 amen. I'm just believing by faith that you are connected 
and you're getting this word, we're not done yet. Some real help is about to come. But I can tell you right now, some people are like, I don't need to hear this. Um, and just, you know, like, like they're, they're, they're not willing to hear what the word has to say on it. And my heart appeals to you. Let's stay connected. There's more to be said. There's more scriptures here that hopefully will help you in this respect. Right after Jesus said, I'm not telling you to do this seven times in a day. I'm not telling you to do just up to 70 times, uh, up to seven times. I'm telling you, if, if he sins against you, you forgive him up to 70 times seven. Then he told him a story. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 23, we stopped reading in verse 22. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is, is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. I'm not going to read it all, but he tells there was one guy who owed the king 10,000 talents. It's like millions of dollars, right? If you were to add it up. And the Lord forgave him. The guy pled with him, please forgive me. And, and the Lord forgave him. He let that guy go. That guy found a guy, another one of the king's servants, but he owed him like 200 denarii. You know, where we were talking about millions of dollars, this guy owes him like, you know, thousands of dollars, or maybe even hundreds of dollars. I don't know the valuation. But then because he couldn't pay him, wouldn't pay him, he held him to it, put him in prison until he paid the whole thing. When the other servants heard about that, they began to grumble and the king heard about it. And he said, go get that servant that I forgave this big debt, but he didn't forgive his brother that smaller debt and send him to the tormentors. This is when we get to verse 35. He says, so my heavenly father also will do to you. If each of you from his heart does not forgive someone close to him in relationship, one way or another, naturally or spiritually, his trespasses. God, I'll talk to you all tonight. Thank you, Brother Chuck. I just looked down. I, I saw you helping, helping me preach. Praise God. <laughs> Woo, this is tough sledding, but this is good. So hear me out. So he tells this story that when you don't forgive someone their trespasses, you know, and, and, and you've been forgiven of your trespasses, then you shouldn't be forgiven. Or you should be held accountable just like you're holding other people accountable. And you can't afford that as it relates to the Heavenly Father because you've been sinning all your life. And that person did one thing or, or many things against you, but you've been sinning all your life. And the heavenly father is saying, I forgive you of the millions of trespasses. And all I'm asking you to forgive them is of this. So, um, all right. So notice he says, my heavenly father will also do to you. So this message is hitting me at home. And I pray that it's hitting you at home. He's talking to us, the heavenly father and anyone that has received him as their heavenly father, received him as their heavenly father. He's talking to you and I. What is he saying? 
He says, if you do not forgive people from your heart, if you do not forgive people from your heart, then you're in a very difficult situation. The other thing I wanted to point out is he uses the word trespasses. Um, every now and then when you're driving through town, you'll see a sign on a property that says no trespassing. What that means is there's a property line and there's a sign that says you are not allowed on this property without permission. So no trespassing. What that means is don't cross the line. Let me ask you, has anyone ever crossed the line with you? They went too far. They did too much. They crossed the line. That's the person that he's referring to. And he says, this will happen to you if you don't, from your heart, forgive people who cross a line with you. Do I have your attention tonight? Um, I remember this uh, church member in Phoenix and she had oxygen um, and she wasn't an old woman. Um, uh, she wasn't an older woman. Um, I would say probably at the, that time, probably in her 40s, maybe 50s. Um, but everywhere she went, she had to have oxygen. I forget the particular respiratory disease that uh, she had the symptoms of. And one day I went to counsel with her and she was you know, just very distraught. I mean, she's a, a, a faith believer, believes the word of God, knows that healing was bought and purchased. I mean, we're preaching and teaching the word of the faith. We're preaching healing. We, you know, she's aware of the power of God and she's wondering, you know, why hasn't my healing manifested? And one day I was just counseling, talking with her and it just came up in Mark chapter 11 says, what things ever you believe, Whatever, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. But I was just prompted to go to verse 25. And if when you stand praying, if you have ought against any, forgive that your heavenly father, which is in heaven. Faith doesn't work where there's unforgiveness. And immediately, I don't know what happened to her. In, at any point in her life, but it was like I ran into a wall. I would imagine that there was somebody that did something, that said something, that somebody that offended her, let her down in one way or another. And, and, and it, it was like she was stuck. What I'm about to share with you is to help you get unstuck from being in a place where you from your heart feel like you can't forgive someone. The Bible says in Psalm 32 stanza one, blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Unforgiveness blocks the blessing. Why? Because if you're not forgiving, you're not forgiven, 
and blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. Can you see the connection now? Woo, man, that was the Holy Ghost. That was worth staying in tune for right there. Blessed is he whose transgressions is forgiven. Are your sins forgiven? Well, they are. But make sure you're forgiving other people their trespasses so nothing can be held against you. Amen. In other words, you don't want anything blocking the flow of blessing in your life. So blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. The reverse is also true. The blessing is blocked for them whose transgressions are not forgiven. And why are they unforgiven? It's because they haven't forgiven. Go with me so I can help those who may be heavy at this point. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. Let's deal with how to deal with unforgiveness. And, I'm, and I, 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 I really need you all, for those of you that are praying, uh, I am going to go long. If you need to get off, praise God. Uh, it's a bad time to do it, but come back and get the rest of this. But I, I can't stop. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 15, we just looked at this actually. Verse 15 says, look carefully, lest any fail short of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. This past Sunday, we just looked at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, 16, 17. We were talking about Esau and Jacob. But look at what it says in verse 15. He talks in verse 15 about a root of bitterness. When I was a kid, my mom would tell us to do our chores. And one of our chores was to go out in the sidewalk in the, and in the driveway and get the weeds out of the cracks. Well, one time we went out, we just snatched the green weeds out. And we went and played basketball. And then sure enough, days later, we want to go out and play. And she says, all right, well, you've got to go out. Well, we just, you got to go out and pull the weeds. Well, we just pulled the weeds. Then she literally told us, she went outside, she took a little butter knife and she said, you know, we thought we just did it. And they came back. She says, well, you got to get them by the root because if you don't get them by the root, then given an amount of time, it's going to sprout up again. I want to talk tonight about the root of bitterness because it's been troubling you things that you've thought you got rid of, you thought you dealt with, but it keeps popping up. And it's because you haven't dealt with the root. Can I talk to you all tonight? So she got out there and she got a butter knife and showed us how to grab it by the root and pull it out. Well, then, I mean, week after week, we could play with no problem because we dealt with it. Notice that when there's a root of bitterness in our hearts, think about it. Uh, you know, think about your human heart and something growing in it. Uh, one of the rare forms of cancer is heart cancer. Uh, you hear about breast cancer, you hear about, uh, you know, lung cancer, and it's actually something that's growing in it. Can you imagine heart cancer? But that's what bitterness and unforgiveness 
is. It's like something that's growing from inside your heart. That's why Jesus said, you've got to from your heart to forgive. So imagine this. He says, I want all of you, Hebrews 12, 15, to look carefully, look in your heart. Look carefully. What am I looking for? You're looking for this thing called a root of bitterness. I'm going to help you tonight if you let me. I want you to look in your heart for a root of bitterness that troubles you from time to time. If somebody were to walk in a room right now and it would trouble you, you might want to look and see if there's some bitterness there where that person is concerned. He says, I want you to look carefully because this thing called the root of bitterness will cause you to fall short of the grace of God. Oh, man. You know, years ago, we, we went into a series and just revelation flowed about understanding grace. Uh, uh, the, the, the great revelation of it was that grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. Woo! I saw something tonight that just made me want to shout. Listen. Somebody typed this in the comments. The grace of God is the blessing. <laughs> the blessing is God giving you what you don't deserve. The grace of God is the blessing. We have to deal with that on a whole nother day. All right. So this thing called the root of bitterness It'll trip you up and make you fall short of God giving you what you don't deserve, which is his blessing. Now, bitterness, what is it? Let me help you. Bitterness is betrayal's baby. Somebody type that in the comments. Bitterness is betrayal's baby. Uh, P.B. Wilson, they called her Bunny Wilson, wrote a book. Uh, one book was called Liberated Through Submission. Another book was called Betrayal's Baby. Maybe you can Google it. I think it was more like a novel. And in the novel, she tells a story of, of going into a house and hearing this baby cry in the distance. And as she was in the living room, she saw a mantle, fireplace mantle. And on the mantle, there was a bunch of clocks, but it was weird because each clock was stuck at a certain point in time. And she heard this baby crying in the distance. I guess it was a dream or something. I don't know. I, did, I mean, it was years, like 20 years ago, I, I came across this material. Um, but what was revealed to her was that bitterness was the baby that was crying. And the clocks represented a moment in time where a betrayal happened. I want to talk to you tonight about betrayal's baby. Betrayal happens when someone does something wrong that you didn't expect. The essence of bitterness, it comes from failed expectation. Bitterness happens, uh, bitterness is betrayal's baby. Betrayal happens when somebody you love, somebody very close to you, you know, a, a, a thief and a robber can't betray me, 
But if one of my physical brothers steals from me, right? That that's that, that's like betrayal. You were in my house. You took my twenty dollars. Man, give me my money, man. <laughs> so so I'm not talking about people in the world. You know, that's not a betrayal in in, in a sense. But maybe that boss. Maybe that spouse that promised you to love you for the rest of their life and then they divorced you and that's like 10 years ago and you're bitter because of it. Why are you bitter? You're bitter because they betrayed you. They did something you didn't expect them to do. Now remember, failed expectation is tied to offense. Is it okay that I keep going tonight? Betrayal happens when someone close to you doesn't do something that you expected them to do. You were a child. You expected your parents to protect you. But they didn't. You're bitter today because you were betrayed by those that you love. Let me go one more step further. The root of bitterness is unforgiveness. I didn't really see this until today. I've been meaning uh, to write a book on what I'm about to share because I'm going to show you how to get rid of bitterness. So if you do have time, please hold on. Um, The root of bitterness is unforgiveness. That was like a revelation to me. Maybe somebody could put that in the comments. The root of bitterness is unforgiveness because all right bitterness is betrayal's baby betrayal happens when somebody does something i don't expect i mean i i don't expect you know someone that's close to me to to do something or not you you get that right so when betrayal happens bitterness is born but the root of bitterness is actually unforgiveness You could say bitterness is a blessing blocker. Now, I'm not going to add that to the list because at the root of bitterness, it's unforgiveness. So if we deal with unforgiveness, then we'll get rid of all bitterness. Now, there's four ways to get rid of the root of bitterness. There's four things you have to do to get rid of unforgiveness. Number one, you've got to identify it. Just like with that weed, in order for me to pull that weed out and get rid of it, I've got to identify it at its root. I can't just pull the green part off, right? A lot of times people are fighting and fussing and cussing and, you know, that's just the green stuff. Why are we fighting? Why are we fussing? Why are we cussing? Well, at the root of it, oh, now we're getting down to it. It's not the toilet paper. It's not that you forgot my birthday. It's not some little trivial things that, you know, get blown out. No, there's something deep at the root that needs to be dealt with. So you need to identify it. And when you're talking about identifying unforgiveness is that moment in time where somebody did something, somebody said something and you didn't expect them and it hurt you. That's when it happened. 
you identify that bad boy, okay? Then what? Number two, step number two, how to get rid of the root of bitterness, how to get rid of unforgiveness. Number one, you identify it. Number two, pull it out, okay? Like, ouch, right? If something's growing in my heart, can you imagine? That's heart surgery. And I'm going to be honest with you. If you're in a marriage, maybe you need counseling. Maybe you need a surgeon to help you with this surgery. You know, we sometimes perform surgical procedures on ourselves. Like if you ever get a uh, splinter, that's technically a surgical procedure. You get a sterile uh, tweezer. You know, you, you, you cleanse the area, you pull it out, you, you bandage it up and you let it, you know, the whole nine yards. But sometimes if you're talking about a heart cancer, oh yeah, we, we need to make an appointment for that. Now I'm not trying to beef up my appointments at all whatsoever. Amen. But I'm saying for some situations and relationships, maybe you're dealing with some deep, deep stuff. And, you know, I'm not telling you to be trying to call and reconcile. I'm saying, that God is saying, forgive, and you do it from your heart, and that there's some actions. If you need more information, then seek professional help. But the way, so step number two is you got to pull it out. How do you do that? Well, if unforgiveness is the problem, the way that you get rid of it is by forgiving, okay? You forgive. Um, I could do a whole series on how to forgive and all of that, but this is a one message night. Okay. Number three. Okay. You can let them take care of it. All right. Um, sorry about that. Uh, and I apologize. I know I'm like way over time. Okay. Um, step number two is you pull it out. Okay. That means you forgive. Okay. And you, I'm going to show you how to do that in a moment, but I'm going to give you these other two. There's four ways to get rid of bitterness out of your life, get rid of unforgiveness. You identify it, what happened, and then you forgive, okay? The third thing you do is you medicate it with the word of God. You know, so if I got something and that's stuck in my skin like a splinter or whatever, I'm going to identify it, I'm going to pull it out, and then I'm going to put some medicine on there, right? That's going to help heal the wound. <laughs> you pour in the balm of Gilead, the word. He sent his word and healed them. God can heal you from things that happened when you were a child and you can absolutely be whole and you can live life and you can be free. I'm telling you, you let the word of God. But have you ever tried to medicate something and it was still there? And it still kind of bother you and you keep rubbing medicine on it. No, you got to go a little bit deeper and get that thing out of there. All right. Okay. I hope you all are enjoying this. Number four, the fourth thing you got to do to get rid of the root of bitterness and, and the root of, uh, at the root of, uh, of bitterness is unforgiveness. And you got to leave it alone. After you identify it, after you pull it out, after you medicate it with the word of God, you know what step number four is? Leave it alone. You know, as a kid, and I remember this because it, it helped me with this dear lady in uh, uh, Phoenix. Little kid in Phoenix at church came up. Oh, pastor, pastor, look at this. And they literally peeled off. They, you know, they fell off their bike and scraped their knee. And when they took the Band-Aid off, they took the scab off with it. <laughs> oh, you know, so now it's almost about to bleed again. 
Why? Because they didn't let it heal. Okay. And, and, and that's what happens. Sometimes it's amazing. You know, sometimes in counseling, you know, people are picking at the wound and picking at the wound and picking at the wound. And, you know, not only that, you reinfecting it. Oh, I'm preaching good. You're reinfecting it. Okay. So, um, I got to wrap this up because, uh, it's just way too long. So let, let me, let me finish by saying this. Uh, so leave it alone. Somebody say, leave it alone. As I close, let me play some soft music, but don't disconnect. Cause I'm going to tell you how to pull it out. How do you forgive? Let's look at Luke chapter 17, verse one. And we're going to look at three through four. This is the last verse and we'll be done. Oh my goodness. This is not the last verse, but I'll give it all to you. Okay. Just bear with me. Luke 17, verse one, three through four. Then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Um, obviously we're saying that when people do stuff that crosses the line, forgive them. Right. But here's the thing. Um, you're nobody's doormat and I'm not, I'm not trying to preach that, you know, you're, you're people's doormat. You just got to forgive and forgive and forgive. At the same time, I believe Christians really get off and go in the wrong direction when they quote as much as is possible, live peaceably with all men. Um, there, uh, there needs to be some effort, but we're not talking about abuse. Okay. Uh, there are laws that protect you from abuse and you should utilize those laws. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. But notice this. I mean, he's connecting offense to forgiveness, right? Because the two go together. All right. So I wanted you to see that. Um, I've hurt people. You know, I'm in the business of helping people. You know, um, when you try to help, you know, a medical doctor or so forth and so on, you're trying to help the situation. And sometimes the doctor can make the situation worse. And, you know, through my years, I've done things and said things that have really, really hurt people. And I'm supposed to be in the ministry to really, really help people. But it's impossible that no offenses should come. There are going to be things where people cross the line, do things and say things that they shouldn't. Well-meaning people, people with good hearts like me. We may do something and say something. So watch what Jesus says in verse three. He says, take heed to yourself. In other words, don't put all your attention on what other people are doing. Pay attention to yourself. If somebody in relationship with you sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him again. I'm not talking about abuse here, verbal, physical. There are laws against that. People shouldn't mistreat people. And woe be to anybody that takes advantage or, or misuses or, or abuses people, including me, right? But notice what Jesus is saying. Just take heed to yourself. If someone that's in close relationship with you sins against you, what does the Bible say do? Rebuke him. You look that word up, rebuke, it's strong. And he means it. If somebody crosses the line with you, 
You're supposed to tell him. That's a match of Matthew 18. You're supposed to go to them and tell them, you, you said this and you're not right. I don't like how you made me feel this way. You rebuke that person. That's strong and it's stern. You tell them exactly where they went wrong. And then what? Well, if they repent, right? What do you do? You forgive them. That's a command. That's a direct order, okay? Um, this is why people have their blessing blocked. So how do you forgive? How do you forgive? It's very easy. Um, one person might ask, do I have to forget about it? I can forgive them, but I'll never forget about it. And if that's you, I'm glad you stayed on because some of us, we have the attitude, oh, I forgive them. I don't have no problem forgiving them. But I'll never forget it. And I'm going to treat them differently for the rest of their life. Okay. Let me give you how to forgive. In John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Okay. This is a command. If you're a Christian, you are commanded by Jesus to love people that you are in relationship with. I'm not talking about the world. He didn't say love your neighbor as you love yourself. He says, I want you to love one another. Who is he talking to? His disciples. That means other people who are brothers and sisters in Christ. I am commanding you to love one another. And this also includes your physical family members. I bring both of those in context. Love those in your physical family and especially love those in your faith family. You are commanded. How are you to love them? I want you to love them like I love you. That's what Jesus said. Well, how did he love us? He loved us in part by forgiving us. All right. So you can say, I command you that you forgive one another as I have forgiven you, that you also forgive one another. How did he forgive you? Did he forgive you, but not forget about it? Did he forgive you, but now he treats you differently since you did that? No, the Bible that I read says that he treats you as if it never happens. That's how I want to be treated by God. I don't want to be treated by God based on the sins of my past. Then I shouldn't treat other people based on the sins of their past. What forgiveness really is. And I wish I could do an entire series on it. And you can find series on forgiveness. But if you want to do it right, then you forgive and you forget. Mm. Maybe I lost everybody tonight. I don't know. How does he love us? He loves us by forgiving us. How does he forgive us? Does he forget about it? Jesus forgives and forgets, and we are commanded to do the same. In Isaiah 43, 25, he says, I even I am he that blots out your transgressions for mine own sake, and I will not remember your sins. And then in Psalm 103, 12, he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you child of god i know this was heavy i went way over time 
But I thank you for watching until the end. If you want to know how to forgive someone, is you forgive them like God forgave you. He casts it into the sea of forgetfulness. And then he treats us as though it never happened. Again, I'm not, I'm not trying to put you in position to be abused in any way. If you don't understand that, get some help. Get some counsel. Talk to your pastor, a pastor, one who's in spiritual authority. But there are tons of scriptures in the word of God that give us a, a clear command. So I command you, I want you to love one another. And love includes forgiveness. If we do marriage this way, it'll solve so many of our problems, right? It's the way of God. He forgives and he treats us like it never happens. And he doesn't. He chooses to forget about it. Amen. Ah, My heart goes out to you. I pray you know that I love you. Um, I just have to close. But peradventure, you're online and you don't know the Lord. I want to pray with you. But if you're online right now and, and you've got some symptoms of heart cancer because of unforgiveness, let me lead you in a word of prayer uh, that, that'll help you. Say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word tonight. I receive this word tonight. And I ask you to help me obey this word tonight. By faith, from my heart, I choose to forgive anyone and everyone who's hurt me. I also, by faith, choose to forget what they did. Help me as I walk free in forgiveness. Hallelujah. If you want to give your life to Jesus, pray this. God in heaven, I do believe Jesus is the son of God, that he died for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead therefore I'm born again I confess him as my Lord I believe in my heart in Jesus name amen God bless you if you gave your life to Jesus and then before you go I speak this blessing because you have esteemed the word of God and you've watched this entire broadcast may the Lord bless you indeed may he enlarge your territory may he keep you from evil and that you not cause pain May his hand be towards you and not against you. Be blessed. Know that God loves you. I love you too. We'll see you on Sunday morning.